It's Friday night, 7 o'clock. It's time for the sports phone. All right, Friday night, 7 o'clock, time for another edition of the Sports Phone here on KZYX. Jerry in, well, I've relocated as I have over the last several weeks. I'm in my office. I'm in Milwaukee, I'm in, or I'm in Oregon. I'm in my office, no longer in my bedroom. Jim's holding it down, running the board in the studio. Jim, we're back. It's time for another edition of the show. How's it going this week? It's fair weekend in Boonville. Remember that, Jerry? Yeah. God, it's the first time when you were young. I mean, we used to get these things. You could ride as many rides as you wanted from like noon to five for an unlimited. I don't know. They're trying to pull that off. There's a lot of controversy, you know, that COVID just isn't ready for a fair yet. But somehow the fair is going on. Those corn dogs were legendary. Though I still remember those. Those were some very, very good corn dogs. Corn dogs are one of those things. I think everyone can agree. That's a fair food, right? Like you're not having a corn dog anywhere else. That's um, a fair food. Fair circuses, I, I think, yeah. They, sure, fair circus, maybe a sporting event. Maybe. But I think corn dogs definitely. And then I also remember the legendary curly fries. I don't think you're going to get a corn dog at Staples Center or Madison Square. No, Garden. I don't think I'm going to get a corn dog there. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, but yeah, it's fair weekend. And uh, more to come on that, actually, in, in just a minute. Looking forward to it. Um, but welcome, everybody, to the Sports Phone. Uh, very simply put, if you're new to the show, uh, this is an open forum sports talk show. Uh, Jim and I have been involved in sports our whole lives as players, coaches, and fans. Even done, We've even both done a little bit of officiating in the past. Um, and throughout all of that, we have always loved to talk about sports together, you know, at, when at home, on, over the phone, whenever, wherever. Jim and I have loved to talk about sports. So we decided we're going to open up our sports conversations to the community every hour, uh, once a week. Uh, and that is what the sports phone is here for. This is an open forum sports talk show. We want you, the listeners, to drive the show. Let us know what you want to talk about going on in the world of sports. It can be a high-level professional sports. We can talk rec league, collegiate, high school, whatever it is, wherever it is, as long as it is related to sports, Jim and I want to talk about it. So we're looking forward to taking your calls and uh, getting things rolling on the sports phone here and letting uh, the, the callers uh, get on the phone and see what they want to talk about. But before we get into that, uh, we have a guest. As we have uh, gotten back into the school year, Jim and I have, have I talked about this a little bit in previous weeks. We're trying to get back into the cadence of uh, having some local guests on, local players, local coaches, local athletic directors, to kind of get a vibe for how the sports year is shaping out uh, in Mendocino County and beyond. And we have a guest this week. So with that, Jim, I'll hand it back to you, and uh, let's let's get rolling. Well, that was a little teaser, and I think you let on that uh, the fair may be more involved here than you think. <laughs> we, I am proud to say, uh, and I was happy to be able to tell KZYX, we, we've always sold our sports phone. We're in our third year. We've always sold the sports phone as we're going to keep as local as we can. Do you get much more local than have a live report from the Mendocino County Fairgrounds at the famous Apple Bowl. The Apple Bowl has been Mendocino versus AV for a bunch of years. PA has been in the Apple Bowl. It switched to the Apple Cup for a while when it was a soccer game. Then it went back to... AV is back with football. Arthur Fulce, can you hear me? Uh, yes, I can. I have Arthur Fulce on the line. 
Uh, he's the athletic director from the fairgrounds in, in Boonville, Mendocino County Fairgrounds. At the Apple Bowl, the game is Anderson Valley versus the California School of the Deaf. We love them. We know them as CSD. And it's it's an honor to play the School of the Deaf. It always was for me. I played them in basketball a few times. Jerry has seen them play a few times. Arthur, give us a little report from the fairgrounds and the California School of the Deaf versus Anderson Valley. Well, right now we're currently in the second quarter. Um, it's been a pretty, pretty well-fought game. But uh, right now, current score still stands. Uh, CSD is ahead 16-8. to eight. So uh, we both... Both teams have completed both their two-point conversions and their uh, two and two uh, in single possessions. Uh, in, uh, I guess touchdown. So, right, current score still stands. It looks like there was an injury after I started the before I started the injury, so I slowed the game down. But they're back and playing. So from there, I'm I'm just curious, Arthur. And, and Jim mentioned athletic director, but I think he he, he kind of was talking a little fast in his excitement. You are the athletic director of Anderson Valley High School. Um, I'm just curious because this with this being the first, I believe this is the first Apple Bowl or or, or Cup since the pandemic. How's the the vibe at the game in general? Like I, I remember that always just being a super pretty, fun environment, football I mean, or soccer. How's really the vibe? Nice. It, it's uh. The audience, obviously, the grandstands aren't as packed as the usual, but I've noticed that there seems like a fewer fair attendees. I don't know if it's because of reluctance to come out to the fair, like you were saying at the mm-hmm. beginning of the show. You know, it's still a controversial idea to hold a fair, but um, for the compared to uh, you know previous Apple Apple Bowls, there's lots fewer uh, guests in the audience than there normally is. Mm-hmm. But everyone seems excited that year, so that's cool. I like. Uh... I, I do want to mention something. I was going to do it in introduction, Jared, but I wanted to you mention. Uh, can you hear me? Can you hear me, Arthur? Hello, Jared. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. All right. Looks like we lost lost Arthur. Foles. I'm going to hang up and see if he calls us back. So, so Jer, I was. Um, I got a feeling he's going to call call us back. But uh, here's a guy that has been teacher in Anderson Valley for seven years. Um, and he worked with Robert Pinoli as a teacher when Robert Pinoli, I mean, he's a legend in athletic directors. He was athletic director for over 30 years. He's running our league now. And those are some tough shoes to fill. I'm going to try to get him back on the line, Jer. Okay, perfect. Take it for a second. Yeah, yeah no, absolutely. While Jim works on that. Um, yes, yeah, so as, as we were saying, uh, Anderson Valley is currently playing California school of deaf in the, uh, the Apple Yes, I, keep, I, I always get confused calling it the Apple Bowl or the Apple Cup because the only time, year I participated in it, it was the Apple Cup because that was when it was soccer. Um, but yeah, I think it is really cool to see that the, this game coming back. I mean, this is a, in all of its different iterations, this has been a very important part of the fair, I think, like and, and the, the, the weekend, just having this game um, be a part of the, you know, the Friday night part of it and, and getting to have this opportunity for the players. It was always fun. I had a blast with it the, the one year I did it. So, yeah, I think it's it's cool to see it, it coming back. And I think it goes to 
the idea that we are slowly but surely kind of getting back to some sense of normal, um, you know, having having the Apple Cup, like it's a big deal and, you know, having some form of the fair. Uh, so, you know, sure, there's there's going to be questions about all those things. But I, again, I think from a sports standpoint, I am excited to see that this game is back. So, um, Jimmy, yep, so, are you still working on this? So, Arthur, everyone knows Anderson Valley has had Robert Pinoli as athletic director for who knows, 30, 40, 50 years. What's it like trying to fill those shoes? I will not say it's, it's not easy because Robert, you know, is a major, a big important part of the Anderson Valley uh, sports program and the school dynamic. So, I mean, if anything, it's an honor to be in this, in this spot. But, uh, yeah, it's definitely big shoes to fill. I mean, I have a lot of love and respect for uh, Robert. Uh, we were colleagues for about five years before he retired. Um, and um, I used to always help him out a lot, different sports events and anything around the school. So he, I don't know, it's really, it's not easy, but I, I enjoy doing it because I have respect for what he did with the school, and I and I and I love the school and the community. So I'm trying to do my best to uh, to at least fill one shoe of his two big feet. <laughs> <laughs> so but, uh, on on that topic another, a little you know, bit, I, I guess t- talking about well, I, I guess community may be part of it, but just kind of running the athletic department now at, at Anderson Valley. Um, football is a sport that I think is is coming and going a lot, right? I think recently, since since I graduated in 2010, it's definitely been a sport that's kind of has, that has had its, its ebbs and flows at the small school level. Um, it, is this the first year? Because I, I can't remember offhand. Is this the first year in a while that Anderson Valley's gotten back on the football field? Or, or have you guys yeah. been back at it for a couple of years now? No, this is the first year back. We the last year we had a football team was in the fall of 2018, and it's it was Coach John Tooley who's come back. But we ended up he ended up making the decision to to stop the fold the team because we were getting clobbered, and with a young a group of students with a small bench, and he thought it was best for the for the health of the, of the team not to play. So that was uh, I guess uh, three years ago. So since then we haven't been able to field the team. But luckily, I've been communicating with John Tui recently, and he, he was coming back to the area, and he wanted to coach again. So we we were actually initially planning on having a team in 2020. We even met up as the whole the CMC and some other smaller schools like CSD, Bronson, and uh, uh, John Sweat in the Bay Area. We met up and planned a whole new eight uh, eight man football league with three different regions, and we did that in Santa Rosa in January of 2020. And then and that was when, before the pandemic hit, so we actually had mm-hmm. planned to start a, a team in the fall of 2020, but that fell through because of the pandemic. So it's been a work so in progress, I, but so now we're, but yes, I agree, all schools have had it, and those are two schools in our conference that have lost, uh, dropped their teams during the, the last few months. So it's a short, we have a small, small season because of it. For, for sure. And, and you, so, Arthur, you touched on this for a second. And I, I actually am curious to unpack this a little bit more because this is something I, I actually have never really talked to anybody at the small school level about in terms of bringing a program back. So in terms of like the order of things that happen, is it you sounded like the, the coach, um, he came back and kind of said, hey, I want to get football started again. At that point, do you then float it out to the like the the students say, do, is there enough interest to play football? Do you first yeah. ask the kids, like, hey, do you want to have a football? It's like, what's the order for that to bring back a program in that way? I mean, even, okay, so I generally bring it to the kids first, and that's what John was like, even, even before, so this most 
recent conversation, John was interested, and I told him, so this would be last March uh, of the 2020-21 school year. So he told me that, so I pretty much sent out an email to the kids because that was back when we were still all digital. I sent out a form, but I was really interested for fall sports. We were going full swing back in. So right off the bat, I had 15 students respond that they were interested in playing, and then a few more I joined in since then. So generally, uh, yeah, the coach will give me something, and then I'll reach out to that. Now, the previous year, I, John was not going to be the coach, and I was I wanted to just gather interest because I had some ideas of potential local uh, local yeah, retired football players from the school district that were interested in. Um, so generally, I'll try to play it by students first early, so before the fall starts, so maybe back in late winter, early early spring of the previous school year, just keep us interest. And um, so anyways, there's been a garnered interest in the last couple of years and uh, when John said he was coming back, it was, that was really uh, helpful and uh, helpful for the students because they knew we had a coach that, was, that they had I've worked with before in the uh, Pop Warner League. Uh, so that was good when he said he was done. Oh, Arthur, last cool. last question here. We ask this to all our, all our guests, and uh, we should have gave you a warning, but sometimes we don't. This can be... Anything that comes to your mind, your favorite sports memory of your life? Playing, coaching, yeah. watching. It could be the Apple Bowl right now. <laughs> awesome. Favorite sports memory of my life, I guess. I mean, I, I did coach uh, for two years in my previous school. I was a, I was a field, I was a assistant coach to track and field team. And I would say that um, one of my favorite coaching experiences was when, my, when our school pretty much won league and all the bands, but mainly mainly discus and chocolate, which was what I coach. So that was really cool because huh. I had a group of kids that I've never coached before. I hadn't seen a discus or a chocolate since high school, and uh, so it was really, really good seeing them win the the region up in uh, Duke County, uh, uh, Modoc area, northeastern California. That was really good. And then that, my favorite sports memory still was by the way '95 uh, Super Bowl and the Four Hours one was uh, Steve Young. That was. friends uh from high school that i like it's somewhere in the depths of social media there are videos of them watching the giants win those world those world series in 14 12 and and 10 and they them losing their minds i, I remember it i remember it well even though i was i was in oregon at the time um arthur yeah it goes by quick these these these, these interviews always do it was a pleasure uh go enjoy the rest of the apple bowl and uh I look forward to keeping track of all of anderson valley sports throughout the fall thank you so much for joining us uh, Arthur, yeah, if you yeah. would, text me the score every time there's a score. I will do that. Thank you. <laughs> so Arthur Fulce, Jer, I mean, would you ever think you were ever yeah. going to say athletic director from Anderson Valley without putting the name Panoli on it? <laughs> yeah. I see. It, it's funny just because I I don't have the same relationship with Robert Panoli that you do. You had Just a good in the one. sense of like. I had one, but not the same one as that's, you. It was just a true. little bit different, just because I was I was just a player at the rival school. Um, but but it, was, it was fun. No, but I, I know I know exactly what you're talking about. All right, let's open up the phone line seven zero seven eight nine five two four four eight. Give us a ring if you want to talk about sports. Again, anything going on in the world of sports seven zero seven eight nine five two four four eight. 
happy to talk about it as long as it is going on and it is sporting related. A lot of fun stories out there in the world. NFL's up and running. If anyone wants to call and have any week one overreactions, uh, I'm happy to field those or anything else in the world of sports. 707-895-2448. Jim, it is Friday, September 17th. Well, hold on Uh, a minute. What do you have for me? Hold on a minute. I'm going to do that second. But first of all, I'm going to bring back a segment Mm -hmm. last week on the sports phone. Then we're going to do... Oh, and there's a call. You're on the sports phone. Hello, you're on the air. Try us again. No one there. Um, last week on the sports phone, we talked tennis in depth for the first time, and there was a lot of weird stuff going on. We had two teenagers uh, that were playing for uh, two teenage women playing for the championship, and I thought it was sort of a boring match, but it did. Um, it did play on, and then we had someone trying to set the record for most wins ever, and he lost. So it seems sort of boring. Hello, you're on the sports phone. Hello, you're on the sports no, I'm phone. Not. You're on. Hello. Hello, you're on. Jared, take it for a second. Jared, can you hear me? Yes, I can, Jim. Uh, so, can you hear yeah, me? Yeah, following this? up on what, Jim? Uh, caller, can you hear me? Go ahead, Jared. Okay. Uh, so yeah, kind of going off of what Jim said there. I didn't watch either of the finals, uh, but yeah, neither neither of them were like I guess close in any specific way. They were both kind of pretty consistent in terms of like the scoring, and then they. But yeah, it's they're they both interesting stories. I think the women's one was still cool to see the two the two teenagers go at each other. Um, but yeah, as you said, it was not a super competitive uh, match. Um, Jim, are we good here? Or are you trying to take another call? I am trying to get the phones to work again, Jerry. Hold on. Okay, I will keep going then. So it is Friday, September 17th, as I said. So we talk a little bit about what happened uh, today in sports, or excuse me, this day in sports. Um, I am going with a local story or a local-ish story. Uh, I This is another one that I remember just from uh, my time growing up. In 2004, uh, Barry Bonds hit his seventh home run uh, in 2004 against the San Diego Padres. And the thing that I I remember about this in terms of its interest was this was right at that point where all the steroid stuff was happening in sports. So you had like the Barry Bonds steroid controversy going on while at the same time you had him put like chasing these records and the majority of like the San Francisco fan base all behind him while there was also like this weird steroid thing going on. So I thought that that was a very interesting uh, thing to look back on just in terms of like the the two sides of that coin i get that was 2004 uh when barry bonds hit his 700th career home run um i know jim wanted to talk about 1928 and there were a couple of things that happened in 1928 
Um, the one that stood out to me was uh, a pitcher named Ray Boggs hitting three batters in one inning, or in one inning, which is uh, it's not unheard of, I don't think, but it was it's definitely kind of outside of the norm um, to to do that. So I'm not sure if that's what Jim was going to bring up, but that did happen in 1928. Uh, Jim, are you there? I'm, I'm or trying. Just to Hello? See if- I'm trying again. Can you hear me? Finally, this is the fourth call that I tried to make. <laughs> well, this, this is a totally unrelated thing, but kind of related because I was looking up um, this day in sports earlier. And today, in 1959, a 19-year-old Jack Nicholas wow. won the golf amateur, the U.S. Golf Amateur Championship. Wow. He's a legend. Jerry, you've ever heard of him? Oh yeah, yeah. So my my question is, he won the the amateur as a nineteen year old. What took it, him three year took him three years to win a major after that. He won his first professional uh, tournament, or excuse me, not not first professional tournament or major tournament, but he won his first uh, professional tournament in nineteen sixty two. I'd so say three years later, between, and then he won then he won eighteen major championships. And seventy-three PGA Tour events. Yep. Anyway, I thought that was pretty interesting. How Thank old? You. Yeah. Thanks for the call. Okay, and now he's eighty-one years old. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you. Bye. Jer, how old was Tiger when he won his first? Uh, his first major, he was twenty-one. Uh, I believe that was when he. I think 21 was when he first was when he won his first tournament, but uh, I'll have to keep looking here. But I know 21 was his first uh, major. All right, 707-895-2448. Got my fingers crossed here that the phones work for us. Um, yeah, I, I thought the Ray Bog hitting three people. The the take on I had on I was going to give you on that one, Jer, was. Um, can you imagine if that happened now, there'd be a fight on the field. Yeah. Yeah. Three batters in one inning, especially if it, yeah, there'd be the, well, I think part of it would depend on who they were playing. You know, I could see it maybe being used as an accident depending on on who you're playing. But yeah, if it was a rivalry. Hello, you're on the air. Hi, I was wondering what you guys thought of the NFL now taking ad revenues for the uh, online betting apps and the online uh, gaming apps. Uh, do you think uh, it's good for the game? Do you think uh, it's added revenues for the game? Do you think there's any downside? Do you think it's going to corrupt the game? I'll take my answer up here. All right. I think that... Jerry, I'd like you to explain what he's talking about first. He used sure. some gambling lingo there that I didn't understand. So, so there are uh, websites for online gambling Um that it's a little tricky to get into the weeds on this without uh, without like going really deep. But the simple way to think about it is there are websites that you can bet on the on a lot of sports, not just the NFL, but but the NFL particularly um, in different ways. Some of them are, are done in like traditional betting. The others are done in uh, more of a fantasy football style betting. Um, that that's the simplest way to explain it. But still, we're but, we're betting on a game. Yeah, and who, so the the who, NFL has partnered with these sites this year, and so like they're running ads for them during games. 
sponsorship stuff, those types of things. So my my understanding Um, is when I bet you on a game, I bet against you, I bet for the Raiders, you bet for somebody else, and I win, you pay me. How does this site work? You bet money on the site. Like you have, you create an account, you place, you place bets with money. And then if you win your bets or you win your like fantasy matchups, depending on again, what the site is and how you're betting on it, uh, you get money. I mean, it's just like any other gambling. You bet money to make money. I see it. Okay. Take it, take it from there. I interrupted. No, you're so, so essentially, yeah, the NFL has, has partnered with these sites and are running ads for them. As the caller said, um, my my view on it is, I, I think it's just inevitable. I think gambling and sports are have always been tied together. I I don't see a scenario where this impacts the outcomes of games and it becomes corrupt. I, I don't know a ton about these sites because I just don't bet on sports, but it I don't see a scenario where where this like gets in the way in any way. Um, so I don't see an issue with it. Is it a little shady, you know, or like, is it, is it, is it a weird look to have the NFL saying, Hey, bet on our sport. Yeah, I I could see that, but I just think it's kind of an an inevitable type thing. I, I also would say that the more public facing gambling in sports can become, I think honestly, the more transparent it could get, like that's, that's a good thing in certain ways. Um, so I don't have an issue with it. I have friends, like I've I've said this on previous weeks. Um, I have friends that the only reason they are as interested in the NFL as they are, or as interested in college football as they are outside of rooting for their one team is they're locked into these sports because they get to gamble every weekend and, and it's, it's a hobby for them and they enjoy it. So so is it like the ultimate form of capitalism that the NFL is making money off of people betting on their sport? Absolutely. I, I don't really see an issue with it, though. I, I don't think there's any – there's probably some moral yeah, dilemmas to I, it, I, but it's. I don't see a problem with it. I think it. this conspiracy theorists are going to think, you know, the uh, – um, Derek Carr is going to uh, get his – his buddy to bet $2 million against the Raiders and he's going to blow the game on purpose. I mean, there, there, there's that kind of stuff, but I, I think there's way to cheat in anything. So, um, I, I see no problem with it. I, I, I think it gets more people to stay in tune with games. I, I don't <laughs> think it can, yeah. it can go wrong. Yeah. Hmm. Well, it could go wrong. I mean, let's be let's be honest. Like, it could absolutely go wrong. But like I said, I, I think that <laughs> I think like the more public these types of things become, the less shady they can be. And so, I think from that standpoint, I, I don't I do see a benefit in in the NFL partnering with them. But as I also said, I do see like the weird kind of moral quandary of the NFL is making money off of advertisements for people betting on the NFL. I think that's that's a little bit weird, but but you know, so in the I grand want, scheme in the grand scheme of things, I don't think it's that big. 707-895-2448. You're live on the sports phone. Hello. How are we doing tonight, gentlemen? Pretty good. Hey, doing good Vince. I was just ready to tell Jared I'll just um usually like to get right to our callers, but Jared, does this mean that if I want to bet Mendocino over Point Arena, I still <laughs> have to just, you know, call Vince or somebody and make a bet. I, I can't do that over the internet. 
Yeah, I don't think I don't think FanDuel is uh, is interested in Mendocino versus Point Arena. What can we do for you, Vince? Well, I'm assuming that was a, 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 a just throwing some names out there. Uh, I'm not <laughs> sure how the online uh, betting works, Jim, but I assume it's it's it, that's that's your in between to you know getting the bet placed. Um, I want to take this and compare it to how college sports have allowed the uh, athletes to use NIL, which I believe is name and likeness. Yeah, name, uh, image, to likeness. earn money, and now EA Sports will will come back out for the first time in, I think, 10, 8 to 10 years with the, with, the, with the NCAA football game because now they can actually put players' likenesses back into the game and pay the players that are competing as amateurs in college for that likeness. So is this a moment where a college athlete and a college program will build their play calling to build up a particular player to earn him more money? Or will a particular player try to do too much as an individual to build his likeness and make more money? Instead of doing what's best for the team. Exactly. Huh. Ooh, that's a... That's a shift from uh, joking about betting on sports, Jerry. What, what do you have to say? <laughs> I, he's, you know, got, I, he's got me on this one. Yeah, I, 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 I wondered. Um, Vince, my hope would be it doesn't impact on the field stuff as much as it's going to impact like advertising and off the field stuff. If that makes sense, sure. where I like, I, I would hope sure. that name, image, and likeness is going to come up because you know whatever the Heisman Trophy winner is that year is going to is getting a deal with Burger King or something like that. Right. I, I would hope it doesn't impact his on the field performance other than maybe, you know, his Jersey sales or, or something like that. I, I think that I, 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 again, I, I think, I think it's hopefully, hopefully I'm right in saying, I think it's a stretch to see that that having an issue. I think the bigger thing, and, and this is the thing I've, I've heard just following the name and image like this stuff is just that idea of, it's more the schools and the coaches that are worried about this than the players are like yeah. just in the sense of they're worried about, you know, losing their ability to make money off of players in a certain way. And the, the really interesting thing I think that ultimately is going to happen is the coaches that can embrace this and the athletic departments that can embrace this one, I think will make more money and two have a, an avenue of recruiting that other schools that yeah. try to fight it will not. Yeah. So Vince, you, you Vince, you asked us, and I think you had an opinion. I want to hear it. Well, I, I'm with Jerry, and this is already happening, Jerry. Like there's already college uh, colleges that are saying uh, SEC schools are offering NIL as part of their scholarship. Uh, so they're already recruiting active players on other college teams to come play for them because they can offer them a better NIL. And I appreciate you saying it's, uh, it's name, image, uh, and likeness. So I got the uh, terminology correct. But it's already happening. Like, people are being recruited off of active programs with better opportunity to get your name, image, and likeness out there I mean, it's it's really good a landscape of recruiting and uh, transfers, all that kind of stuff. So I, I, as much as I think college athletes have been the 
uh, the doormat for a long time for coaches to be overpaid and for universities to make a lot of money. But at the same time, college athletes who play football should realize that their money that they generate pays for tennis athletes and swimming athletes and track athletes to have an opportunity to even be given a scholarship. You know, like there's a little bit of give and take here. So I think what's happened, though, is when people like Nick Saban or Mike Krzyzewski or whoever make $8 million a year to coach a basketball program at a college where the players are amateurs, now we've created such a discrepancy to where the, the athletes are like, well, wait a minute, you're all doing this on our back. So I get where this is coming from, but I do worry about the repercussions. Let me... Um... Just like... Yeah. Let me take another call, Vitz. Keep listening. Get back to this. Let's see if some this this next person um, I love it. is going to chime in. Vince, thanks for starting this one. Hello, caller. You're on the air. Hi. Thanks for taking my call. Yep. You were so very since, patient. Since this is the um, Mendocino County Fair weekend and Sunday are the dog trials, I would love to hear from uh, on the radio from um, uh, canine from from about canine athletes and um, and hear about their healers from their healers and the competition and what how all all of not only with uh, sheepdog trials but in general there's a lot of canine athletics going on and I'd love to hear more about that if if people were available to call in. Give me an example. So go ahead, Jer. So so caller the the one experience I have with this. Um, and it's indirect. Uh, one of my old college professors has a mini Australian Shepherd, and she doesn't compete that dog. Uh, well, sorry, she doesn't run that dog competitively. But as part of uh, the dog's training, they do a lot of the stuff you see in dog competitions, whether it be obstacle courses and those types of things. And so she'll constantly post videos of their training sessions um, online on like Facebook and, and things like that. And the, the thing that I've always taken away from them are how, and I can imagine like dogs that are doing this competitively. It looks, it looks very similar. How the thing that stood out for me was it just looked like practice for any other sport in the sense of like, sure, it's a dog and the dog might not know exactly what they're training for in the way of like, when I go to a basketball practice, I know what I'm doing there, but it was just really fascinating to me. Like, they're running the same segment of the course over and over and over again to get the dog comfortable with it and get it like so it understands the course and stuff, just like we would run a play in basketball over and over and over again to get better at it. So I, I think that was the thing that, I, that stood out just seeing those videos. And that's for a dog that doesn't even do it competitively, but just is just seeing the the repetition of it just it looks like any other practice so that's my one little anecdote beyond that when you talk about like it getting into a, the competitive world i can't talk about like the training and stuff but i'm sure it's it's very rigorous I, it wouldn't surprise me at all yeah and i'm hoping that people there's you know there's a lot of people in the county who are involved in different canine sports and i i'm hoping to hear from from them to actually talk about their experience and how they experience their dogs and 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 um and and how dogs do in competition and what competition how competition changes 
your pet or your athlete. Mm-hmm. You know, I'd love to hear more about that. So, anyways, I'm gonna I'm gonna hang up and listen, and hopefully, people will call in about I, that. I am gonna say before you hang up is is yes. is they are. Did you know the KZOX and Z is going live at the fair with W. Dan on the microphone commentating on the sheepdog trials? I do. Okay, good. Just want to make, make sure you know that. I can't think of another dog sport besides the dog... Sh- to me, there's the sheepdog trials and then there's the dog shows. And I never thought of them as a sport. But calling them a sport is fine with me. But my question, Jer, is what other, what other sports uh, are there for dogs? There is, I don't know the, the ins and outs of this one, but there's something that involves a dog jumping off of a platform into a pool. I, and I don't know that, I think it's a distance thing. I think it's like, you're basically like throwing a, again, I could be very wrong on some of the details here, but you're throwing something off of an edge of a pool. The dog is jumping and trying to get it, and I believe there is a distance element to it. Is so dog well. long jumping? I, it is, I, I think it's some form of a dog long jump, yes. Huh. Um, but again, like I, I could be totally butchering that, but I know on TV I have seen a competition where dogs were jumping into bodies of water. I think I've seen dogs competing with Frisbees, too. And yeah, there might yeah. be a height aspect of, of, mm-hmm. of how high they can get to the. I I, I don't know seven zero seven, eight nine five two four four eight. We we have gone we we've gone from. Geez, we're talking about betting and then images of athletes and then dog sports. Well, if we're going to talk about other sports going on at the fair, uh, <laughs> Jim, there's there's one that we if we're gonna if we're gonna if we're gonna. If we're gonna if we're going to drift into animal sports at the fair, there's one other we have to talk about at least for a second if we don't have any calls. I, there's no calls right now. I can't. You're saying there's another sport at the fair? There was a sport at the fair. The The heats of that sport lasted maybe seven to eight seconds. Is this but a- my gosh, it, it was the most epic seven to eight seconds I've ever seen in my life. Is that something to do with pig racing? There was pig racing at the fair yeah, one year, I, I believe, and it wasn't over on the. It, it was Captain Rainbow. He he brought that to the fair. He he was emceeing it. Yep, but it wasn't over like where the football game is, where the rodeo is. <laughs> it was all the way on the other side of the fairgrounds. There was a it was a big booth, and the, the, there were four, three or four pigs per heat. They had lanes. They had there were I believe there were sponsors. I think he uh, brought the event in, yeah, and, and I think there was betting. I don't think there was any gambling. There might have been like some, you know, backdoor shady gambling, but I don't think as part of the fair you could you could bet you could gamble on those can, things. Can I pull you away from pig racing to take another call? Sure, absolutely. You're on the air. You're on the air. Are you there? Hello, call. You're on the air. Hello. I was wondering if you thought the dog trials were sports. I'll take my answer off the air. That question was the sheepdog trials. Is it a sport? Is that what you got? Yeah, you? it was a little. I believe mo- that was the question. Yeah. I think you know. Every time someone asks a question like that, it just opens up the whole conversation. What's a sport? I mean. 
it's it's a competition. I, I'm, I'm calling the dog trials a sport. What are you about you? Oh, I think it's a sport for the dog. <laughs> I wouldn't call the the coach an athlete to, to 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 a certain degree, but I mean, I think I think my thing with sports is always there's a you know a baseline level of physical activity involved in it, and if, and that those dogs are are moving. I mean, they're they're panting and sweating at the end of it. Well, so, you can say that well, about any you know, any sweating. coach. I mean, a basketball coach is the coach, and basketball. Sure, but they're not they're not the athlete. I guess we would say that. No, the dogs are the athletes, but the overall is a sport. You're on the air. Oh, hi. Um, I just I noticed you were talking about the uh, sheepdog trials that happened on Sunday. Yep. And um, yeah, my uh, good friend Kevin Owens, who has five or six sheep dogs and some sheep over in Yorkville. He's going to do radio commentary with, uh, is it W. Dan? So I, he'll be the, uh, you know, person who's trained dogs who will be talking about it. But I, I've always participated in it. I don't have a dog this year, so I'm not there. You, but, have, um, you have trained I've, a dog I've, for the sheep dog trials? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I have. I've had three different border collies that I've run at uh, Boonville and Trials. Yeah, I live in Ukiah. Very cool. Very cool. So I guess, caller, from there then, if, if you heard kind of the previous question about it, can you break like break down, it, was I somewhat accurate in my observations that it, it's like practice for any other sport? Like even though the dog may not know exactly what they're practicing for, there's a repetition element to it, just like I, me going yeah. to basketball practice when I was in college? Yeah, and of course, you know, I mean, what they're really bred for is working sheep in out in open areas, you know, ranches sure. and stuff like that. And so most of them do that. And then a lot, a lot of people set up sort of something similar to the arena course that's at Boonville, you know, if they have the space to practice the specifics because uh, you have to work off balance. The dog wants to always bring the dog, the sheep to you their gathering is kind of their natural instinct it's pretty ingrained and sometimes they have to push them away from you as part of the competition so they have to train for that and of course they have to be really fit because even though it's 10 minute limits it, it's pretty uh, strenuous actually during the time they're doing it so yeah the conditioning is important too but there's a certain mentality of that kind of dog that's a um, herding dog yeah interesting originally interesting. Originally from the highlands of Scotland and northern England, and there is where they, you know, originally started. And of course, there's the Aussies that are slightly different that they have in Australia that were bred out of those. And then we have the McNab, that's a local breed that was developed out of the border collie. So you know, there's there's different lines of that whole. I've been dog. a coach. I've been a coach for a long time. All I can say is. I had to be patient with humans to teach them stuff on a basketball court, especially seventeen-year-olds. I can't I can't even imagine what it's like with dogs. Oh yeah, it's it's, it's especially when they're young because they get their adrenaline going, and you're like, uh, you, they don't hear you all of a sudden. They're just like, I got this thing, I'm going, <laughs> and you're like, wait, wait, lie down, wait. <laughs> yeah, it's it gets it's exciting, but they do have strong instincts to gather. So they kind of have a sense of what they're supposed to be doing. It's in there that just kind of comes to the fore. So that's always interesting, too. You know, there's other, other sports I was thinking of was, um, well, you have bird dogs. I mean, that's somewhat of a sport now, right? People do. And then um, there's agility. And border collies are used in agility along with a bunch of other breeds. It's obstacle course kind of thing. 
Well, I'm glad you called. I've never done it. We had another caller that wanted to talk about what it took to train dogs, I think, in, in, in sports. And I'm not sure Jerry and I were able to uh, answer her very well. So it's very nice. Oh, it's, it's a, you know, it's a lot of patience. And the dogs of that breed, you know, like you say, you get a sledding dog. They're very independent. Herding dog wants to work with you. So, you know, they have a certain mentality. It's a partnership. But um, it's a lot of practice and patience. Yeah. So, caller, last question I have for you. Am I, am I right in that there is a sport for dogs that involves jumping into a body of water? Or am I totally making yeah, that up? Yeah, I've seen it. I've seen it. And, uh, you know, okay. you know, like, uh, uh, is it Labradors? There's yeah. certain dogs yeah. that have special ears that close up when they get wet so that they don't get oh, water really? in their ears. Yeah, and those dogs, I, I was on the East Coast once when I saw there was some place I went with my family and there were these ones, and they were labs, and then there's the Chesapeake Bay Retriever and something else, some of the, yeah, well, certain dogs. But I'm, yes, it, I think it's a distance thing. I think you're right about that. I'm moving on. And maybe there's, a, <laughs> maybe there's a ball thrown and they fly love to it, the airport, something like that. Good deal. Thank you Thank for you. the call. You're on the air. You're on the air. Hi, Jim. It's Jim. Hi, it's Lawrence Golden. How are you? Hi, Lawrence. It's wonderful to hear from you. Thank you. So, listen, what about dog sledding like the Iditarod? Ooh, dog sledding. That's a heavy-duty sport. Yeah, no kidding. Huge, huge amount of training, huge amount of discipline, huge amount of work, right? Huh. That's the same way the dogs are the... Well, I would say the dogs and the humans are the athletes in that one, aren't they? Well, I suppose, but look at her. It's like horse racing. Horse racing, we don't think the jockeys are important, but it's still a horse doing the racing. So isn't it the same mm-hmm. for the dogs on the sled? Wow. I, I, you got me with this sport. I will leave you to discuss it. Take care. Love your show. Thank you, Lawrence. <laughs> Another call. So, You're on the air. Uh, let's, let's do it. Yeah. Hi. I'm calling about dog sports. Yep. Let's do it. Hi. Um, I have 25 years of experience in a lot of different sports for dogs. And yes, uh, both the human and the dog are an athlete. My name is Amy. Yeah. How are you tonight? We're doing we're doing fine. I, I, I never guessed we were going to be talking about dog sports, even though <laughs> even though I knew the dog trials were going on. I haven't done the herding, but... Um, I do nose work, I uh, do agility, I do obedience. My dogs have competed at uh, Westminster and won. I do field wow. trials with them. And my dogs have their own treadmill. They have exercise equipment. You work on their brains. You work on their confidence. You work on timing. Um, they do cavaletti training like you do in basketball in order to get their foot timing right. Mm-hmm. Hmm. And um, I had to do my own private uh, lessons myself with a human without the dog in order to get my act together to be a good team member of the sport. <laughs> it's, you, you, I, I'm just overwhelmed. You've, you, you've got me. Jerry, you, you, can you have a conversation here about, about dog training? So, so, Caller, the one that stands out to me of everything you said you worked on there was the obedience competitions. And, and the reason that that one stood out to me is a little bit is I, I, I am, I'm not home right now, but I am, I am hearing the horror stories of Jim right now trying to train an eight-month-old puppy and try to get him to have some form of obedience. When you're doing obedience training as in a competition, 
is the starting mm-hmm. point the same? Like, would, do you have to get a dog for an obedience competition? In the, is it the starting point the same as just training any other like crazy puppy or, or something, or, or is it a different? Is it a different type of training? If that, if that question makes sense, that makes sense to me. Uh, well, it starts a little bit before that. You actually mm-hmm. can breed for certain temperaments that you want wow. for different okay. sports, and so. You have, even in any breed, so you look at the parents and mostly the mother of the litter to see what kind of temperament she has. And a lot of people that compete in sports breed for different goals than somebody that's going to go and buy a dog to live with them in their house. The dogs that are athletes are um, usually very high drive. They're not easy to live with. And you need a human that knows how to manage that intelligent and drive, or you're going to have a not so fun animal in your house to live with. So, are, so, the, are the sheepdog <laughs> child dogs in that category? Yeah, I don't think that's the kind of dog that people want to have sitting by the fireplace. That's a high drive dog <laughs> that needs to have a job and needs to be worked every day, needs to have its brain challenged. And the human needs to be a good partner to be able to know how to direct that. Just like if you're going to compete in your sports with your teams, too. And in the different sports, there's different levels. There's the C League, the B League, and the A League. Like in nose work, you're going to start out maybe at a local trial. And when you get to the elite level, you're going to be competing with people that have probably been training for 10 or more years with a very, very high-drive dog that's going to have stamina, which is why you're working them on a treadmill. And uh, at the start line, you're both going to be like you're going to be taking off for a sprint because the dog is going to take off, and you better be there with them and know what they're expecting and what you're expecting. Did you hear? Otherwise, you're going to fall on your face. Caller, were you listening five minutes ago or so when when a man named he introduced himself as Lawrence called and he talked about those dogs Jerry what's the what's the event called the, the thing in Alaska with when they told the, the Iditarod the Iditarod mm-hmm. now is yeah. that yeah. the ultimate in the kind of dog you're talking about that, that that would be high strong hard to have as a pet I mean these dogs are what running for days in the ice I mean yeah, I wouldn't think that team is going to be, because I mean, they're going to have, just like on a basketball team, a leader. The other dogs are going to look for that leader. Oh, wow. And they're uh, going to follow that leader. So you're going to be a confident, strong uh, dog that's going to be able to get those others to drive and to keep going when they don't want to go anymore. And that isn't going to be a team of dogs you're going to want to live with. <laughs> This is yep. a great conversation. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, it's good stuff. Last question. Yeah, the, the, go ahead, Jer. Oh, oh, sorry. I didn't have another question. I, I Jim, I was just going to go off of kind of what you said in the sense of um, the little I know about the Iditarod and that those types of dogs is those dogs have a very pack mentality. And there's a, and again, oh. at some level, maybe not in the way we would say, oh, that dog's the team captain. That pack of dogs knows who the boss is, right, or the, who the alpha is, and that that dog is in control of his pack, so to speak. 
it's it's some well, level. like that's a huge they're gonna follow the, the uh, yeah you could say that but um and not all dogs are pack animals some dogs sure, are very sure. like i compete in nose work and i want a dog that isn't going to look for me for mm. direction i want a very independent dog that is going to go through whatever it takes without looking back at me for direction. And he needs to be confident to push through it and needs the stamina. Because when you're competing at elite level, you might be competing, let's say, in an open football field, and you've got 20 minutes to find an unknown number of hides, and you're going to be going up and down the um the steps, or it, it could be anywhere in the middle of the football field, the 10 fire engines. And so let's say you have 40 hides and you've got a half an hour to find them all. You don't know where they are. Take off because it's all speed. And you're going to run and try to find them all. And every time you find them, you're going to say, you know, one, two, three, four, five. And whoever finds the most in the least amount of time wins. This is fascinating. I have, That's not Sarah, a pack before we run mentality. out of time, this is fascinating. This is fascinating. Before we run out of time, I want to take a couple more calls. Yeah. Thank, Thank you. Okay. Thank you so much. Hello, you're on the air. Hello, Jim Jerry. I had a quick question for you. Cool. I yeah. wanted your opinion on the rampant performance enhancing drugs that are occurring in the sport dog sporting community and i'll take my answer off the air so there's an assumption made there that it's an issue that's and i and i i cannot comment on that because without and i could do a little bit of research but i i would venture a guess it is fair to say that if there is if there are doping and steroid controversies in horse racing I'm not going to be surprised if someone says this is a serious issue in dog in dog competitions. Um, I, 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 Jim, I, I, I'll have to do a little bit of look, looking here real quick to see how, how much of an issue it is. But, I, I mean, it's the same kind of conversation we went back to last time where it's like, does the dog know what's going on, uh, you know, same thing we it's, it's very similar to the conversation we had with the horses when we were talking about the horse that was you know getting doped up by by his trainer or the uh human eating the burrito yeah yeah same thing. let me take another call see if you can can't come up with some more information on dog doping hello you're on the air um am i on the air you're on <clears throat> well i have a couple of things one um, I listen to your show intermittently, and it's very often about male testosterone sports. Yep. Um, a comment about the very beginning of your show when you said about teenage girls um, duking it out with each other, and it was relatively boring. Um you know, I'm following Wimbledon, and these young women are about to be national champions and beat Serena Williams and her sister and all of that. And it felt kind of like um, very dismissive that, so, that you so, 
said about the teenagers. Now, I don't want to stay on that. I want to get to dogs. So I am a dog trainer. I'm a dog breeder. My breed is Bernese Mountain Dogs. They are 100-plus pounds. They are Swiss working dogs. And I have had one who is excellent at what is called dock diving and that's the one that you're talking that's about that's what it is yes yeah so yeah so if you can imagine a bernese mountain dog at 120 pounds jumping off a dock this dog has the national record at 17.6 feet can <sighs> you imagine 120 pound dog going out almost 18 feet in the air it takes massive training of the dog massive training of the owner and these are definitely sports i mean absolutely definitely and i'm thrilled that tonight's show has has had a lot of dog sports involved because that's of much more interest to me and probably other people than football or baseball or whatever. So, I mean, I'm, I'm thrilled that you have the show on sports and I commend you for including, um, non male football and whatever, because there's a lot of us out here interested in a much broader interpretation of sports thanks for the Thank call you very we much. appreciate yeah. the yeah. call so, so caller i want to and and you this jim may, might get you off the air here, but i wanted to take a minute to to clarify the wimbledon comments from the beginning because i always appreciate getting called out on things what i was going for and i didn't explain it very well was it, i think it's absolutely exciting the fact that there were two teenagers competing in the women's finals at the u.s open that's a huge deal i what i was going for and i did a very poorly poor job explaining it was the the match itself it was never really in question who was going to win so in terms of like instead of a back and forth you know four or five set thriller where it wasn't sure who you're never sure who the winner is going to be and that generates tension i was just alluding to the fact that it was there was a very clear-cut winner like the match itself was not close so we're running, it didn't out, of have that here, type of we're running out of time here, Jim. So I just wanted to, I just wanted to say that real quick. Um, get that out there. I again I always appreciate getting called out on that stuff. We're gonna wrap it up. We'll be back next week on Friday, September twenty-third. Thanks, everybody. And I will say in defense of the beginning of the show is I thought the men's It's was, not in defense of Jim, I, it's just a clarification. I, I thought it's not the, in defense of I said it, for myself, I thought the men's uh, finals was more boring than the women's. Yeah, yeah, sure. I, I see what you're going there, but I just I wanted to clarify that because I can absolutely see how that opinion would. We're have been done. Not my attention. This podcast was produced by KZYX FM, Mendocino County Public Broadcasting, local community radio from Mendocino County, California. If you enjoyed the program and you'd like to hear more, in Northern California, you can tune in anytime to KZYX at 90.7 FM in Philo, KZYZ at 91.5 FM in Willits and Ukiah, and 88.1 FM in Fort Bragg. If you're listening to this podcast from further away, we also stream live 24 hours a day at kzyx.org, where you can hear our eclectic range of locally produced music, public affairs, and news, along with daily state and national news programs and breaking news. You can also find out how to become a member to keep KZYX on the air. Thank you for listening.